Welcome to the B2B Marketing and Copywriting Podcast. I'm your host, Linda Malone, certified conversion copywriter, copy strategist, and founder of Copyworks. Join me each week as I speak with experts in the fields of marketing, copywriting, decision-making, psychology, and more, all with one goal, to help you attract your ideal customers and inspire them to take action. Yes, today is Milan Savo. Milan is the founder and CEO of SmartClick, a web and SEO agency that specializes in helping B2B SaaS businesses to increase their marketing and sales qualified leads by creating custom-made websites and crafting the buyer's journey. In today's discussion, he talks about the stages in the buyer's journey. How many are there and how do you address each of them on the website? And we also talk about the roles that are participating in the decision-making process and essential pages on the website and a whole bunch of other stuff. <laughs> Let's dive right in. Okay, Milan, I'm excited to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Hi, Linda. Thank you also for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be guest in your podcast. Yeah, it's so nice that you know we met on LinkedIn, which is seems to be where everyone's meets when, you know, especially with when you have a podcast and people know you have a podcast. So it's great. Otherwise, I don't know how we would ever have heard of each other. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice that that network actually exists so we can introduce and meet each other. That's great. Yeah. And I actually did a little research before our talk today. And I am mm-hmm. super impressed that you started on Upwork, which I've never heard of anyone who now has an agency can you just talk a little bit about that? Because it's such an unusual kind of background. Like, you, how did you transition from you were a freelancer in Upwork and now you have your own agency? How did that happen? Yeah, actually, I will just uh, give an introduction a bit before Upwork and how I actually lead to that. First, I started working here in my town as a web developer in one agency who gave me a chance earlier in my careers after the faculty. And there I gained some experience in web development and especially in WordPress, which after that led me to to try something new. And that's how I firstly was introduced to, in that time was Sodesk and Elance, not not Upwork. And then they merged. So that's how I actually started. My initial experience was to do projects for free, just to create that profile to earn those reviews. Right. And after that, time by time, maybe it took me around half a year to have some portfolio and then get more and more clients on Upwork. Mm-hmm. So once uh, I had completely successful, successfully finished project, uh, good reviews, then there was a lot of demand at one point. So I firstly started to look out for people who can help me do the work, actually. Mm-hmm. And then I organized everything, the, the work. I also worked at the same time, but it, it was a bit hard to, to manage all of that. Yeah. And that led me to, to create actually a team who can assist me. That's how SmartClick actually started to, to exist. That's great. Because I started freelancing with uh, my copywriting skills on, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on Upwork. And I never got, I mean, I wasn't on there for too long, but I guess you have to be really aggressive, but I never got a single assignment and I just said, you know what, because it was all, everyone was competing with price and I just couldn't do it. And I said, all right. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning. Yeah. It's really hard. That's why I. at the beginning, I was on the same mindset, but after that, when you get some reviews, 
you started to position as an expert. And I think that the price is not the real factor after, after a couple of projects. Yeah, there's a lot of people on there. I mean, every time I go on, it's, you know, because I have found people, graphic artists and people I need for, well, my editor, my podcast, mm -hmm. I found on there. Yeah. And I was looking, um, this is a while ago, we've been working together for a while, but um, once you find somebody good, you know, you want to stick with them. So if they start their own business, then you're going to stick with them. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, you talk about how, you talk a lot about crafting like the buyer's journey. So I wanted to maybe yeah. just jump into that. What is the buyer's journey and how many stages are there? Can you talk a little bit about this? Yeah, of course. While first I, I created the websites, I was a web developer before. I got a request just to do a website and that was it. And on the other side, there is SEO to drive the traffic. But at one point, you, you notice that if there is a website and it's not well structured, it could be not visible for people who have to see it. Or if it is, you can attract the uh, wrong people, wrong leads, wrong traffic. Mm -hmm. So that's why now we're specializing to create websites who have a great structure and cover all of these buyer journey phases. I can separate them the phases like the awareness, the consideration, and the transactional ones. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, there is people who decide whether they will buy your service or not. So there is uh, decision makers who do that, some people who can influence the decision, or an end user if we talk about the SaaS businesses usually. So mm -hmm. that's how we, we try to structure the whole, the whole website. Yeah, it's important when you said about the stages of awareness, because even as a copywriter, that's one of the things that mm -hmm. I focus on. Like, you know, you, you start with somebody who's unaware. And if they're unaware, they're probably not going to land on your site. They're not looking for anything. So, exactly. Uh, yeah. Do you find that most people, uh, do you try to accommodate like the pain aware? So that's the stage where people are, they know they have a problem. They don't know what the solution is and they're looking around. Is that what you find is the most common way to, to start like or? To, to focus on in a website? Yeah, and I think this is the, the biggest audience which you have to educate until they become consideration and then they start to look out for more options like yours may be similar, but then your positioning statement should, should be better than the others until they become a transactional in the transactional phase. Right. I think that's the cycle, but definitely if you focus only on the transactional ones, maybe you will get a couple of clients, but it's not sustainable for future growth mm -hmm. of the businesses. So it, it sounds like it involves like a combination. As you're talking, I'm thinking it's content as well as copy. So the copywriting, which is what I do, mm -hmm. is, you know, the actual words that will you know, change, like hel help someone make a decision is how I always say. And then the yeah, content. Yeah, exactly. Like you talk about SEO, so content like blogs and articles, um, those are important for different reasons, right? Maybe you can mm -hmm. talk a little bit about like how, when, when you start working with a client, I guess here's a, the question, how do you decide how to structure the website? Like what are the things that you consider? There are a couple of things which I can say can be used for, more of the, for most of the businesses. You have to separate uh, the service pages and provide their like, on one service page, you can provide an information for uh, those people who are ready to buy. But even there, you have to separate the sections for people who will make this decision or, and for people who will just influence to the decision. 
And after that, have to separate part of the website, like resources, who will contain blog posts, knowledge hub, maybe some lead magnets, ebooks, or, or other things, with, which you can use just to educate the clients and drive them to the, to the service pages. And to, on top of that are the landing pages for if you want just to emphasize something on the website. So I think this is this is nice part to have where you can actually capture the emails and then start with educating your customers through email marketing. That's that's also a nice part. This sounds like there's a lot of pages. Like I've worked with clients that they'll if they're just starting out, they have maybe a few pages. Is there a particular mm-hmm. number of pages? You you made it sound like like a services page. Like on my own site, I have a service. Like each page, each service has a separate page. Is that usually what you recommend? Mm-hmm. Is there a minimum number of pages that a, a company should have? And what are those pages? It really depends how your your service actually or your product look like. So if you have only one product, then you will need less pages. If you have more separate services or products, you will need more pages. But then there is the the resources section where you can actually add more and more content which will be also useful for the buyers to cover the journey. Start with educating, then move to the main product or, or others. It, it really depends. There is no like on the right answer to this question. It really <laughs> depends on the business. <laughs> yeah, I kind of threw that at you because I know it's a huge question and it really probably depends on a lot of different things, right? You yeah. Know, you have uh, sites like Wix and these other platforms and these other software that a lot of people are using and it makes it sound like it's really simple, but what's your views on that? If someone says, you know, I just need a single page and they have just make up a product, like maybe it, if it's a copywriting service, maybe, I mean, is that enough? Like, cause to me, it doesn't seem like it would be, but there are people who insist you just need one page, you know, and that's all you need. In that case, I think it really depends what kind of channel you will use for selling actually your service. So it's if it's enough for you and you have maybe a lot of referrals or you're using ads, will just direct come to the to that to that page. That's fine. If there is more people in the decision, more people involved in the decision, then you have to create the content for all of these roles. It really depends on the of their client side. So if there is one person, maybe just the the first initial page will be enough. You will make the attention to that buyer. And that's it. Yeah. So it's like if they're ready to buy, I'm thinking like if somebody, you know, if you place a lot of ads, do a lot of Facebook ads and the people, you know, all the information that they need to know about you is in that ad, then all I, all they need is the the one page and it's like, well, just I'm going to sign Yeah. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. And what about, so talking about this kind of thing, so website navigation, what are your thoughts about like the best practices? I think I covered that in the previous part, but like best practices have as less as possible items in the main menu, but only have those which are the most important for for the buyers. If there is, a, for example, careers page, uh, usually some businesses have that in the main menu. That's, that's usually, usually not a good practice. So just try to emphasize the most important pages like services and, and the resources maybe. Mm-hmm. which are those ones who, who provides content to, to your buyer journey, to your buyers. Okay. And again, this about page and the team who will give a relevancy and credibility to your business. It's also nice to have that somewhere near in the, in the main navigation. 
Do you see any particular trends like with website design? Are people adding pages they didn't add before or asking for something that you didn't used to hear as much about or anything along those lines? I can't remind actually on something like that. But what I'm facing right now is uh, when people are not aware of this, that there is more stages, awareness, consideration, transaction, and there is no, they're not so aware of, there is more people who will need to decide about their product. This is usually happens with SaaS businesses in the early phases. They just create some website, just half a website and not considering all of these parts. And after that, they're facing to, to rebuild the website after six months, for example, or after one year, which could be quick for them because it's still early stage. They have to invest again and again in the same thing. So I will just recommend try to do this uh, homework before you start creating your website. Yeah. And as a copywriter, I find the hardest page, and people don't consider this a lot, is the homepage, you know, because that's where people are coming from anywhere. You know, they search mm-hmm. ads. I was working with a copywriting coach and she said, plan to spend 75% of your time tearing your hair out when you're trying to plan the homepage. Because it's <laughs> yeah. because the thing is, if it's an ad and you know that they're ready to purchase, okay, so that page, you know, is going to be a page just like, here's, this is what that product is. But the homepage you don't know where they're coming from. You don't know what stage of awareness they're at. And so you have to sort of hit all of it. And I tell my clients, it's like you direct people on that page to another page. Like the purpose is just to- Yeah, yeah. Do you agree with that? But- Usually the homepage is not the one which will make the transaction. Right. I think it just has, has to add like additional credibility to the rest of the pages. And I can add just something here. What we notice is that usually people on homepage try to, to speak about themselves and not about the clients, what kind of benefits they have. Mm-hmm. So instead of putting their value proposition at the beginning with some call to action and the real benefits which their clients get, they just speak how... How great they, they are, right? And yeah, yeah, how great they are. I'm surprised that companies still do that because we hammer that all the time. Like even on LinkedIn, you know, it's always about, it should be customer centered and, and, but still, cause both you and I, you specialize in SaaS companies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some of them, you know, the ones that are known for really great copy tend to, they get it, you know, and they, they focus Mm -hmm. on the people who are coming to the site. Cause one of the posts I did on LinkedIn a while ago was if you just change the word I and we to you on your in your yeah. copy and you make it directed to the reader, you're going to get a lot more engagement because now they know that you're talking to them. Mm-hmm. It just seems yeah. like an obvious thing, but I guess it's still it's still not. You find that then the same thing. That- yes, it, it's still. But probably this is for maybe some businesses who did a website at the beginning and they maybe get some clients on some other way so so they don't put so much focus on that. And once they notice that the other channels are not sustainable for growth and they decide that the website will be like their main channel for that, then that's the point when they figure out how to proceed further. Yeah, I find it, I get pushback and sometimes it's not even like somebody saying, we're not going to do that, but they just don't do it. You know, like I, I tell, I, I have like a guarantee and, and I've never, no one's ever taken advantage of it because I say, listen, if you don't increase your engagement or your conversions by 10%, I will redo the whole page, but you have to, 
the caveat is you have to mm-hmm. use my copy exactly as I present it. And no one ever does because everyone thinks they're a copywriter. Do you get, <laughs> is that like the same thing with web design? Do you have people that tell you like, all right, this is what I know is going to work? Or is it you're in a more kind of a technical aspect of it? So they probably listen to you more. Do people try to tell you like, you know, oh, I know it works. Yeah, of course there is. <laughs> <laughs> I I really appreciate people who rely on the expertise and give you like free hands to to do what you're best at. And usually these are the most successful stories at the end because if someone from the outside who does not have experience and just hears something about the service and give you direction how to do that, then I don't think that we actually they actually need us. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe yeah. you with, with the copywriting. I think it's easy. If people want, it, it's tough because I was just reading an article that said, uh, and it was actually written by one of my copywriting coaches a while ago. She said, you know, even mm-hmm. though we say, you know, the CEO, like I've posted about this a lot on LinkedIn, like uh, the, the phrase, I don't like it, isn't a reason to not use the copy because you have to test it. It's like with your website, you know, what like you need to see what works, right? Is, are there ways, how do you test like a website when you create a website for someone? Are there ways yeah. that people test it? What, what do they do with it? May I just ask you one question about the previous, which you said? Yeah. <laughs> when they said, I don't like it. Do you know the reason why they don't like it or just, I don't like it? It usually, I actually have a clause in my contract that says, please limit feedback to if there's a discrepancy in the voice, that's mm-hmm. probably the biggest thing. People will say it doesn't sound like me. Sometimes, usually I'm, I'm dead on. People usually say the mm-hmm. opposite. Mm-hmm. Like, this is great. But occasionally somebody will say this doesn't sound like me. So if the voice is wrong, then of course we have to change that. If there's a legal issue, if it's a health problem mm-hmm. or finance, yeah. I don't write for finance, but health, there's a legal issue. There's one other and I can't think. But I I always suggest, look, why, why don't we just test it? And there's different, like usertesting.com. You can take headlines. You can have people test them in real life. What's going to convert better? So, I mean, that yeah, would be yeah. you know, the best way so that it's not... I always back up everything with research or a customer quote. And I was yes. the client, this isn't my opinion this is what it's, it's, i came up yeah, with this yeah <laughs> your customers said this so yeah it's a bit similar on our side because before we actually create the strategy we have a lot very deep analysis which we rely on after that and as you mentioned uh, we set some kpis and when we notice that something is not going well then we are just uh, adapting to maybe just change part of that strategy but we we have to start with something and then see if that works. As in general, in marketing, there is no 100% that what you will start with will work on a long term. Right. And you work with global companies, correct? Like, Yeah. So do you see, you must see differences like around the world with how people interpret a website or is it, or pretty much people on the same page, no matter where they are? I don't know. It really depends. Like I, I'm asking this because I've run into companies that are very, very corporate and very technical, and they will tell me, I want this to be written conversationally, and I want it to be more casual. But when I do it, they don't like it at all. They don't and like it. <laughs> it I, so I guess it's not really where they are in the world, but it's more the the niche that they're in. Like very, It's very hard to get someone who's been 
in a corporate environment for 25 years to be open to having copy that sounds like you're talking to a friend. And I'm not saying using slang, but just very not mm -hmm. as corporate speak. Yeah, that yeah probably that is the better answer because uh, I think right now everything is like mixed in components somewhere is uh, multicultural, also the remote. So you, you can't actually say that that location is using that particular practice. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it, there's any trend like that. It's probably just, I don't know. I, I, like I said, it's, it's probably more the niche that they're in, but I find it very hard with the corporate clients because I'm, mm -hmm. I can tell usually, and tell me if this is true for you too, when you first get on a call with a new client or potential client, you can pretty much tell right away if you're going to get along, like if you're on the same page, like there's a certain person. Yeah, yeah. True. You can, I think you can feel that. Uh, but also when you mention corporate, probably there are more people who have to decide about that. And That's true too, yeah. And it's usually hard to get those uh, decision makers on the call because some of the other departments are responsible for that. Mm -hmm. And that's just slow down the decision. So... Yeah, you can feel when you can work with someone. Yeah. Well, what I know is like, I'm a very creative person. I mean, I my background, like all the stuff behind me, this is very much me. Um, and mm -hmm. so I think I usually get comments on it because, and I do it on purpose because this is, I'm a creative person. You know, you're not going to get yeah. bland and, and boring and, and corporate for me, but I had a call recently with a, a client and he's, he's ended up being a really good client. But the first call we had, he said, Hey, I love your background. And I, and he started talking about all the stuff behind me. And so I knew right away that he was going to be cool, you know, yeah. and he was, and he is. So, you know, you can kind of tell, but sometimes I, I wonder if it works against me. I don't know. And you just have to be yourself. It's just so hard. Business is hard. You know? Yeah. What probably did your homework before that so they they know you they you educate them and that's the reason why they became clients immediately <laughs> yeah and it it really depends a lot of like i had i don't work with like enterprise clients because of exactly what you said with mm -hmm, how long mm -hmm. it takes because it's just me and i have people i can pull on board you know that yeah 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 i had an enterprise client a few years ago and every question and every decision took like three months to get to. And it was like, that's too much. I can't, I, I just can't operate like that. And, and I think that, you know, they probably were looking for something else anyway. I worked with them for a little bit, but didn't last that long. So I kind of learned, but you have to kind of find like, what's your sweet spot as far as the, the clients that you look for? We just uh, have like ideal client persona, ideal client profile in B2B SaaS, but still not niche down in some industry. So we're just in that niche. Okay. I'm kind of similar, but I've had people tell me lately that I should niche down even farther. Do you feel like you might end up doing that? Like, Yeah, probably. We are just thinking for demos and trials at first point, but after that, maybe we will go even deeper. Mm -hmm. It's better to, my opinion, it's better to become expert at one industry, one, one thing instead of uh, covering more. Yeah. I mean, the more specific, the better, because then the person who hires you, if they're, they fit that niche, they're going to be a lot more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, exactly. I always use the example that years ago, I used to be a personal trainer and I had mm -hmm. a client who needed shoulder surgery 
and this was back on the East Coast in uh, New York. And she ended up going to a, a doctor in New York who specialized in not just shoulders, but shoulders for women only. That's all the surgeon did. And you would think, how is she going to get any? She was booked. Like, she, that's yeah, all she did. That's <laughs> Women's shoulders, you know? And so even in the medical field, I mean, you can really niche down. And so with what we do, it's even more, you know, you can really look at. And the thing is, we're not limited too, and you're not limited. Even if you say, "Hey, this is you know, you just yes, yeah, on a smaller niche, right?" That was like my main personal limitation before. I've had a lot of internal fight. Should I choose to have some ideal client or not? Yeah, I, I thought the same because if I choose something uh, to be niche down and uh, became experts in that area only, that I will lose a lot of other opportunities which I can have. Now people, I think completely yeah. different. <laughs> they would still ask. People would still come to you. You know, they would just say, you know, I know yeah. they specialize in this, but, you know, if they know you and they know that you're good. Yeah. Why can't I? Do you do this too? And you'd be like, sure. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. You have to try. Yeah. And you mentioned that when it comes to decision makers for like, say, a SaaS product, what influences the decision to buy? Is there anything in particular, like maybe on the website that you find that is the one page or the one thing they're looking for? Usually, again, it depends from the SaaS, but usually there are around three roles which will decide whether they buy the SaaS product or not. On the one side, there is an end user who will use that product. So it's important, it's important for them. Is it easy to use? Is it easy to use in a team? Some informations like that. On the other side, there is the usually the marketing people or Again, it depends from the product, but for example, if it's for marketing purpose, they will need to know what kind of KPIs can be improved or some information similar to that. And there is the CEO, how that will impact the business. Usually in that circle, the head of marketing or the CMO has the final decision and the others just can influence to, to his decision. There's usually a lot of people, well, not a lot, but there's always somebody else involved and yeah, I always want yeah. What I found out is that uh, CEOs usually try to step away from the main decision because if there is a failure, then the CMO can just point to him that he made the decision and that doesn't work. Right. So this is like a practice which I noticed that is happening. But it's, it's good because on the other side, that other person has uh, more like uh, freedom to decide what's good to be like additional additional to their team because we we work with them after that not with the CEO right right yeah the CEO from what i've found is they i mean at some point they come in to give their opinion usually what happens with what i do maybe this is with you is i'll meet with the rest of the team they bring everything to the CEO the CEO is like if they like what they hear they'll meet with me like they'll then they'll get involved. yeah yeah. Yeah. Or if they don't want to talk to you, you know that you've lost. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Right. And if the marketing person is really well in what he's doing, he'd know to make good decision about is it good for their company also. Right. That's the, the the main thing at the end. Exactly. Well, where can people find you and, and find out more about your company? Uh, our website is smartclick.agency and I'm really presented on LinkedIn. So they can reach me here on LinkedIn or email. My email is milan at smartclick.mk. 
Awesome. Okay. I'll put all your links in the show notes too. So I thank you so much for, for taking the time today. It's been great. Really um, interesting. Thanks a lot to your invitation. It was pleasure for me too. That wraps up today's episode. I hope you found it as fun to listen to as it was for me to record. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review and be sure to subscribe. And for additional info, visit my website at thecopyworks.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.